Hi, welcome to Chaos in the Attic. It's your host, Noor. Here I uncover all the chaos in our attics from emotional and physical well-being, talking all things spirituality and self-development. I have fun and enlightening conversations with inspiring people. Here we stay open to anything and everything. I am so excited to have you here with me now. So let's get chaotic. Hello and welcome to Chaos in the Attic or welcome back to Chaos in the Attic. I hope this episode finds you happy, healthy, well, surrounded by all the love, wonders, and magic that the world has to offer. I am just so excited to be bringing this episode to you all today. Specifically, like I did not plan the release date of this episode at all. It just happened to fall on such a perfect day, such a perfect time and everything. So today is the 8-8 Lionsgate portal for anyone that does follow anything in astrology or anything in that realm of things. It's also an Islamic holiday, which is Ashura. Don't really know how to pronounce it in the proper way, but yeah. And then there's also just major, major changes for me happening on this day in my personal life. So it's just like a lot going on on the on a universal kind of in a universal way, I guess. But this episode I was so happy and excited and honored to record with Krista Williams. Krista Williams is a spiritual teacher, she is just incredible. She and her best friend Lindsay have the podcast Almost 30 together and I do hope that I get Lindsay on the podcast some at some point. But truly Krista is just full of so much knowledge and wisdom and just like true honesty like honesty in how she shows up honesty and how she speaks honesty to herself and I just really loved having this conversation with her and I felt like I could talk about things that I might not necessarily speak about with other guests on my podcast and again such a perfect first guest back to this new version of the podcast because I have not had a guest since I've upgraded my podcast which was I think around three weeks ago now so so excited to have her on my podcast and in this episode we talk about so much so much and she shares all her wisdom on so many things Um, but to name a few we talk about unconditional love and how to find unconditional love what unconditional love really does mean and entail and we also talk about stagnation stagnation in life how to move through stagnation and how this world in a sense keeps us stagnant in some ways and then we also go into talking about how to form healthy relationships friendships whether that's romantic or yeah or just friendships in general and then we also talk about i'm saying we talk about a lot so definitely make sure you listen to this full episode we also talk about the idea that we are more united than we are different we have a lot of similarities and we all follow a lot of the same 
concepts in life, but we tend to focus on the ways that we are so different from each other. So yeah, this episode is full of so much goodness and I would truly, truly, truly am so happy to have Krista Williams on this podcast and to just speak with her and I would highly, highly suggest that you all go listen to the Almost 30 podcast with her and Lindsay. There are so many great episodes. There's literally not a single episode that you won't benefit from in some way. And to go give her also just a follow if you don't already know her, which I'm, I doubt that anyone listening to this doesn't already know who Crystal Williams is. But if you go follow her on Instagram, just like you will gain so much, so much knowledge and you'll feel so inspired and so much more enlightened in your everyday life but yeah with all that being said thank you and thank you Krista for coming on the podcast and now let's get into the episode it's chaos in the attic time baby it is how are you are you ready I'm great I'm like I'm a little jet lagged. I just got back. I was in um, Italy for, I was in Italy. Do you know Mama Medicine? I do. Yeah. So she had a retreat. So I was helping her out. Let me fix my sound. I was helping her out with a retreat and um, I just got back from it. And I'm, I'm like so tired. Like I've been going to bed at like 6 p.m. Oh, wow. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I love going to bed early. So I'm all for that. Same. Same. Me too. I'm like, Usually it's like 9.30 at the latest, but, and lately I've been kind of on the vibe where I'm like, okay, I don't want to do, I kind of want to chill by myself. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. And I'm like, I don't want to watch TV. So I might as well go to bed. I know. I'm, I'm the same. Like, honestly, when I gets like, when I'm just like bored or I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm done for the day. Yeah. I'll just put myself yeah. to sleep. <laughs> There's like <laughs> nothing good well. happening. Like I'm going to look at my phone or I'm going to watch TV. It's like, let's just call it and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> how so how are how, you? Where in the world are you? I'm in LA. Oh, where in LA? Um, Westwood. Okay, perfect. Yeah. How long have you been there? Um, I've been here for six years, seven oh. years this fall. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's amazing. How's I was gonna ask you, how long have you been in LA? I got here, let's see, I got to LA in twenty 20- 15 or 16. So probably seven years now. Oh, wow. yeah, maybe seven years. Cause I think Lindsay and I've been doing this since 2016. So you probably started in, I probably got here in 2015, which is crazy. Cause it's the longest I've lived in a place, I guess, besides growing up, but yeah, I've been here a long time. Yeah. I mean, I personally found like being in LA just shifted like this whole new part of me like some like just brought out parts of me that I've never that I've always known were in me but like it just amplified it more and I was curious to know like what what's your experience like yeah so for me I never thought I'd live in LA you know I never that was never part of my plan because it seemed really far and California has such a perception from people that don't live in California you know you kind of think it's this thing but um because it's on my Mercury and my Pluto lines from an astrocartography perspective. So if you do your astrocartography, which you can do online for free, 
it will show you like what places on the planet are really good for you or what places are really intense, what places are good to raise a family. So it's really, really good for me from an astrological level. But I think what's really shifted for me, everything really, like the career thing, I don't think would have happened because there's a, a way you can be here where everyone's like, oh yeah, I do a bunch of things. I have this job, I have this job, I do this, I do that. And I was in Chicago and New York and Ohio where it was kind of like you had a job and you could have a side hustle, but really you focused on your job. So I think the dreamer in me was super activated. And I think just really being able to be like anything is possible feels very LA to me. Like I never felt like that anywhere else like I do here because people do such crazy creative stuff. Yeah, that's actually really true. Um, I feel like I've never, I guess I've never really noticed that, but I do feel like there's anything is possible, like especially when you do see people just going and going for whatever they want to go for and making it happen in some miraculous way and just having like the forces be with them in a sense. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I do like that it's, well, it's on, like you have lines that run through LA, which is cool too. Yeah, Yeah, it's like my, um, the Pluto line is like death and transformation, which is intense. And then the Mercury line is communication. So communication would be the podcast, which is like what I do. And then the death and transformation is really like that energy of creation, you know, just kind of continuing to do and build. And I've had, when readers look at it, they're like, wow, are you okay? That's like very intense. <laughs> I'm like, it feels intense. So I don't know if I'll be here forever, but I do feel really grateful because I've built a community here. I think that's my favorite thing is the people that I've met here are incredible. Like I've never felt so connected to people or seen or supported. I've always felt like everywhere I lived, I was a little bit different. I had different interests. I thought, I thought differently. Um, I wanted to do things differently. Like as an example, when I was in New York and Chicago or even Ohio, I wanted to stop drinking. You know, I stopped drinking when I was 26. I don't drink anymore. And that was very different. Like people were drinking a lot. People drank, they went to bars, they went out to eat. And I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to, um, grow spiritually. I wanted to learn. I wanted to meditate. Like I just wanted to have a different type of lifestyle than I think where I had lived. So being here has also allowed me to really expand that part of me and be as spiritual, you know, as I want to, because people are really out here, you know, in Los Angeles, they're very, they're very out here, but it's been liberating for me because I've been able to find more of that aspect of me I mean I will say that I what I feel like in that sense it's so encouraging to just really show up fully as yourself in LA because everyone is just out there doing whatever they're doing and everyone's just in their full expression well most of the time yeah and um just I guess depending on where they are in their flow of life um but yeah I don't know if they're in their I don't know if they're in their full expression or what kind of expression people are here, but it's, I think what you said is important. And what I think I perceive that as is people in LA are so obsessed with themselves and what they're doing that they don't care what you're doing. And it's, it could be for some people like that would bother them, but I think it could also be liberating because you're like, everyone's doing their own thing. No one's really watching me. No one really cares. So I'm just going to do whatever it is I want to do or however I want to create and be. Because when I first moved to Los Angeles, I had quit the job that I was working in New York. And I was like, I'm going to pursue blogging full time. I want to be a blogger. 
all this stuff. And I had to start because I wasn't working a full-time job. I had to make money because I wasn't really making money blogging. So I served, I nannied, I babysat, I did catering. I did these random odds and ends jobs. And normally if I was living where I grew up in Ohio, I would feel ashamed because people kind of just have a job and you don't really work as a server or anything that's like hourly wage or anything like that beyond that point. It didn't feel like people would probably look down on you, but here it's like, it's all part of the path. You're like, oh, you're just doing this because you are making it work while you're doing something else you love. And the priority really is to do something that you love at any cost. Whereas other places it's like, no, you don't really do anything that you love. You just kind of do what's going to pay you the most. Yeah. Um, I agree with that a lot. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate the way that like, cause I know for, for myself, even like I'm doing what I can do to just make, to just get to the place where I know that I want to be. And it's not that I'm putting a pause on it. I'm constantly working on it while working on other things. And the judgment from like outsiders, like people that are not in LA just don't really get it, which, you know, it, it can be a little tiring to deal with that. But at the same time, it's just like, it makes me, it makes me feel more, more, um, I guess, like, I don't, not confident, but like more satisfied and more just like, you know what, I'm doing my thing. I know that at the end of the day, I'm going, like, I'm feeling happy in what I'm doing and I'm not putting a pause or I'm not like, I guess, removing my own happiness from, from myself just because I need to like meet the standard of a career that is typical. Yeah. It's, you know, making what you want and your path and your intuition, the priority over other people. Because if you know in your heart that this is the right thing for you, then that's the right thing for you. And I think a lot of people look down on other people that are trying something different and new because it's easy. You know, it's easy to kind of do a job that you don't really like or do things that you don't really like or feel unaligned and then judge others that are taking a risk and following their heart and, and trying something new and different. But it's easier to judge than to actually do it. You know, it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of self-trust, trust in the universe, trust in source to be putting yourself out there and be wanting to build a life and do things that you love, um, that you love and feel good for you. Yeah. And I definitely also think that the judgment comes from intimidation. Like, oh, why are you going after the thing that makes you happy? Like, why can't I do that? And, and then it just goes back to like, no one's stopping you. Like that's your own decision and how you choose to live your life. But I do want to talk about like trusting the universe, trusting spirit, trusting God, whatever anyone believes in. And how, I guess, how do you find that trust? Like, how have you put all your faith into just going about with, okay, things are going to be okay. I'm just going to move forward with my life and hope and know that it's taken care of. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think firstly, I don't trust that everything's going to be taken care of all the time. Like I trust in God that I will be safe and I will have an amazing life, but I'm not ever thinking like everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be great. I'm, I'm all, you know, everything's always going to work out. I actually know that life is going to be 
ups and downs and life is going to be hard and there's going to be a lot of change. And there might be times where I don't feel like everything's okay. And I kind of let that be, but the definition of faith is really having belief in something that might not be there or might not totally exist. So my faith in God has been something that, to be honest, wavers at times. You know, I've had periods where I'm like, okay, is this thing on? I'm like, are you there? You know, when I'm looking at some of the horrible things that happen in the world and, you know, you kind of tap into that energy of the collective of all the pain and the suffering, it is really hard to be like, you know what? God is with us and God is watching and God, it's all good. It's, it's challenging. So there's moments where I'm like, is this a joke to you? <laughs> like, is this just an absolute joke to you? Is this suffering a joke? But I always come back to that as like an organizing principle in my life, like living as if I knew that God existed and that I knew I was supported and kind of letting the periods of not feeling like I have total faith or I have total belief just happen and go. And um, I think what I have the most faith in is that in myself to like always know, get through whatever it is that I'm going through in my life and that happens through self-trust and that happens through always coming back to yourself in hard times and really having like the, the gentleness and the kindness and the self-forgiveness to know that you always tried your very best. So it's such a complicated issue because I think everyone has different relationships with God and theirs might be complicated or hard or challenging, but by focusing on your relationship with yourself and your relationship with God, I think you're definitely setting yourself up for a much, a much more beautiful and fulfilling life. Yeah. I mean, it, I feel like, yeah, for sure. And as well, a lot of people's that relationship with God that people might struggle with or be triggered by, I feel like that just also has a lot to do with like their own healing and their own needing to, I guess like for me, it's, I, I, I rather like shift away from like the blame game or this God is doing something bad or all that stuff. So I just feel like that comes with like a deeper inner thing. And also just, yeah, like trusting, trusting that whatever is happened or whatever is going on in the world, there is a bigger plan or there's, there's a purpose to it all. Maybe that's to unite us all. Maybe that's to, there's just like so many so many reasons why anything can happen and i think to focus more on um like for me i like to connect, create my own scenarios like when something is really going bad i just feel like okay this is for this reason and and that just makes me feel a lot better so yeah, yeah. what i like to do whenever i'm going through something i'm like this is going to be great for my biography <laughs> yeah. you know like imagine <laughs> that your life was a story and you know, we're all really the main characters of our own story, but it's like, I could write about that time where I, I got dumped and blah, 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 or that time that I didn't get the job or that time that, you know, something really bad happened. And you can see it like as part of like the grand arc of your life where you have these interesting moments and you have these challenging moments, because if it was just a story of everything's perfect and everything worked out, that doesn't, that's not really interesting. And that's not really really good, but, or it's not really interesting to read, but yeah, on the, the triggering part about God, I often think, you know, I think a lot of times people apply what humans do to God because 
So we look at someone that's murdering or we look at things that are happening in the world and we're like, oh God cannot exist. But really all the bad things that happen in the way in which the church abuses the word God or the way in which some religions abuse using the word God is really things that are done by humans and not really done by God. So it's like the misuse of God happens in a lot of ways, but there is a lot of religious trauma. There is a lot of, you know, ways that people have misused the word God to mean things that I don't think it really is. Yeah. I like the personification kind of, and, yes. and like trying to put, yeah, like human issues onto something that can't be even categorized as that, or like to be part of that. Like we can't put our minds in God's mind. We don't like, we can't quantify what God is. Yeah. I think a lot of it's like not being able to even understand, like contextualize what it means and you know, I think about that with love in a lot of ways. Like I asked my audience one time, I was like, do you guys know what love is? Or like, and they're like, yeah, we do. And I'm like, I think that, but I was like, I, I don't know because I think people think love is controlling at times, kind of. People could think love is codependency. People keep, could think love is trauma bonding. People could think love is all these different things that actually love isn't. Like unconditional love is actually very rare in the world it actually is very hard to find. It's actually very hard to experience. I think as humans, we kind of have conditions with everything. So I think the concept of God and the concept of love are actually things that are very hard to understand and, and, and see and know. It's just something you kind of have to have faith in exactly like, like we said earlier. Yeah. I actually like they touched on the idea of love because I've recently been like really trying to explore like what is what what does love mean and what does it mean to be loved and I feel like everyone has their own definition their own interpretation of what love is based on their own experiences and their own like traumas and history and but I I guess I've come to the conclusion like well still dabbling with it but that love is everything like love is the anger is the fear and it's just being how people are expressing it and not really maybe like maybe it's not the intention is love usually whether that's war or anything like that it's love for a country love for mm. something it's just all being expressed in other ways that might not be familiar to what our understanding of love is so i do think that is interesting yeah yeah i mean from a universal perspective you know love is all there is what they say, but then there's also the belief that there's only love or there's only fear. And, you know, within war, it could be love of a country or fear of attack. And that's where a lot of that is so much duality within it of like love and then fear. Um, but the definition of love and the way people experience it could be so different. You know, I think people have different capacities for love and different abilities to experience love. And if you've experienced a lot of grief and pain in your life, you're probably able to experience a lot of love, you know, the darker, the shadow, the brighter, the light. And there's an author, Gay Hendricks has a really good book called The Big Leap. And he talks about um, basically people having this like level of happiness and it's called an upper limit. So in your life, if you've only seen your family and friends and community only be happy, as happy as like a four out of 10 then you have to like work to actually work and increase your, your upper limit to being a seven out of 10. So you can experience more love. And oftentimes people don't know that 
different levels of happiness and love are possible. And you have to have that be expanded through relationships or through seeing other people be happy and in love. Um, but for me, I think love really is, has to do a lot with free will and letting people be who they are and letting people do what's best for them on their path and letting people experience life how they want and letting people be as much of themselves as we can. And it seems easy to say that, but when someone's saying something you don't want them to say or doing something you don't want them to do or um, acting in a way that you don't feel like is appropriate, for me, it's love to honor them and their path enough to trust that they are doing what's best for them and not making them change or contort or grow for you, but allowing them to be on their path, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a sort of surrendering to yeah. mm-hmm. everyone else, surrendering to yourself and just surrendering and letting things be as they are. I do think that is really important. And something I'm really trying to learn mm-hmm. as well is I, I'm, I guess, like not stepping in to like give advice when it's not asked for, mm-hmm. or because that's something I definitely feel like when someone's just giving me advice when I haven't asked for it, that yep. tends to be like a little bothersome. So I try to do that with others and as well as just like I have a cat so like surrendering Mm -hmm. my cat's crazy behaviors and letting my cat do whatever my cat needs to do and yeah I'm all about that yeah I know in in Buddhism they talk about you know what like when you're talking about should I speak or not they talk about principles to think about before speaking and you know, those are, is it factual? Is it true? Is it helpful or beneficial? And is it spoken with kindness? Like, is it something that's kind? Um, Some say there's two more, but I usually think it's those three. And I think a lot of times I think about that too, when talking, I'm like, is this helpful or beneficial? Am I just talking to hear myself talk? Am I talking for my ego? Am I talking because I'm uncomfortable? Am I talking for whatever reason? And then making sure that whenever we're speaking, it's truthful. And then also, um, that it's spoken with kindness. So that reminded me of that. But yeah, I'm all about the free will, especially for the animals. I mean, that's my dream in the world is to have all the animals, you know, live in harmony and all the animals animals live in peace and all the animals experience love and a life that feels really good for them. So I'm such an animal person. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I wanted to actually talk about that a little bit about how do you, I guess, show up um, in full expression, how do you be authentic and know, I guess, your own limits, your own boundaries, and still know, like, not, I guess, not being oversharer and mm-hmm. I like differentiating whether you're oversharing or just sharing because it resonates or it feels good to you. How do you, how do you differentiate those? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, and I think. I struggle with this as a podcaster and someone that's very public online and in the world, but I do think that this applies to anyone that's listening. And I think it's applicable to anyone in life. You know, we're oftentimes in work situations or friend situations or out situations or family situations where you have to sort of understand if you should be sharing something, if you should be vulnerable, if it's safe, if it's not safe, like when is it appropriate? When is it not? And I think I, for so long with the podcast, I think for the first three years, you know, was sharing every single thing that happened in my life, just like in a super deep way and a very real and transparent way. 
And that was really beautiful. And I'm really grateful. I've always been someone that's felt really like I could be very vulnerable and I could be very honest. Honesty comes very easy for me, but then after a while you're in the public for a long time and you're like, Oh, wow. I want to keep some things for myself. Like I want my family and my friends and those closest to me to have intimate access to me. And what was happening before was I was giving the audience access to me and everything that I was feeling and everything on my heart because there's no, there's no intimacy really. Like there is intimacy between myself and the audience or anyone listening, but I'm not hearing them respond. I'm not in conversation with them. Like it's kind of, I'm just speaking and it's going out. But when you're in intimacy in a relationship with family or friends or a partner, there's actually a risk there to be honest and vulnerable. They could hurt you. They could not listen. They could judge you. They could talk bad about you. So it's scarier to be intimate with people that you're close to or that you are you know, in relationship with than it is in the public, to be honest. And that's why you see so many people sharing so much online because there's no real risk when you're sharing very publicly. If you know strangers are commenting at you, it's like, it sucks and that's a risk, but it's not really like an intimacy type of risk. So I wanted to sort of bring that back where the people that I was close to had the most access to me and they felt like it was their privilege and it was like a right that they had as someone that's close to me in my life to know things that are very personal and deep to me. So kind of rechanging that in my life was good. But for anyone listening, if you're thinking about sharing or being vulnerable, I think it's always really smart to sort of let things marinate for a little bit. You know, I think we can have something where we're looking online at someone who's sharing about their body journey, you know, their relationship with their body. And we're like, wow, that was so inspiring. Like, I'm really feeling like I want to share about this. I'm feeling like that sounds like something I want to talk about. Let that be true. And then let that sit for maybe an hour or so, or maybe 24 hours and be like, okay, does that still feel true for me? Does it still feel like it's factual, it's kind, and it's, it's, um, helpful um, to, for me to speak about this? Does it feel like it's something that I want to do for me and I want to do for other people? And then also too, in, in physical situations, I always put my hand on my heart with my hand. I like put, physically put my hand on my heart just to kind of like check in. Like if someone's like, oh, you know, how are you? How, how are things going? And maybe I'm going through something hard. I'll be like with my hand over my heart, just kind of like, okay, does this feel like something I want to share right now? And then with my hand over my heart, I'm able to hear, you know, yes or no, that feels good or not. Um, and you need to be careful like with sharing with things because I'm so sensitive to the way people respond to my sharing because listening is so important to me. So if I feel like someone is not listening to me and I'm sharing very openly, it very much hurts me. So I have to be very, very mindful but I think overall people should be much more close to the chest about their life and their experiences um, than I think sometimes people are because I think what happens is people are sort of using their traumas as their identity and as ways to get close to people in a way that might not be really healthy. It's like trauma bonding rather than actual true intimacy built over time. I think your intimacy should be earned. And I think your deepest, darkest secret should be earned by people that have built trust with you. Yeah, I fully agree. And I do think that is becoming more so of an, not, not an issue, but people are creating like these relationships based on traumas and just like darkness that has happened to them in their life. And that will only hold you back. That's only keeping you in the past and into those because those relationships are only building off of 
those traumatic experiences. And then you're constantly in that loop of talking about it and going back into those areas. And yeah, I do think that that is important. Like, obviously we don't want to just be like toxic, like have toxic positivity all the time. That's also not the greatest, but I do think that there needs to be that important balance and to build relationships off of, I guess, striving from a place of love and joy rather than looking and more present moment and rather than bringing up things from the past, which is of course that balance is important because you also want to create those feel comfortable and feel safe in relationships to be able to bring up those things. But yeah, exactly. I think, you know, those situations should be a part of your, like a part of you, but not you. Like it shouldn't be your whole identity and personality um, the things that you've gone through and the hardships in your life, because you're really just stuck on replaying that as your life experience. And it is a really beautiful thing when you feel less alone, when you've experiencing some, when you've experienced when you've experienced something horrible, you know, to be like, wow, like I'm not the only one. And I feel less alone and I feel seen and I feel understood in a new way. That's why there's amazing groups like, you know, AA or, groups that support people in grief when they've lost people. And I think that's deeply, deeply important, but it's always also important too, to see it as part of your story and not the whole story so that you're sort of able to pull up out of that and be like, okay, this is important and relevant to me. And this has happened. And I'm so grateful that I feel supported and I have a new chapter or I have another space in my life where I want to move on from and Um, see what else is out there for me besides this thing. But the internet culture of like Instagram posts and, you know, all this like Instagram therapy stuff is so beautiful because it's helped so many people understand themselves and their relationships. But then there's a shadow side of that where people diagnose themselves. People sort of walk around with more labels. People um, are now in like the zeitgeist of like feeling like everything is trauma and sort of living in almost a fear state because Um, we're now able to like overly identify with certain characteristics of certain psychological disorders and, and issues. Yeah. And it's, it's, that is really interesting as well, because I volunteered at a, at a school once with kids, kids with that were, had disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I just started, started to feel like, oh, do like, do I have a disability? Cause I started to see their actions, like in me and my actions in them. And I think that can start to confuse people and can start to forge like for sure. And it's really hard to then separate and take a step back and just know that, Oh, like to, to go back within and to like identify what you are within yourself. Yeah, I definitely see. And it's, it's also the, the thing too, of like, um, you know, with anxiety as an example, it's like, I am feeling anxiety, not I have anxiety. It's like have is like kept. And then I'm feeling is an experience that's temporary. So a lot of these things, it's like, how can you see different types of experiences as more temporary than like defining you as someone that, that has something all the time. So when we're looking at Instagram posts and therapy, it's like, I have this thing. I have attachment wounds. I have, you know, this type of trauma. I have this thing. It's like, I have experienced that, or I am experiencing that, or that is part of my story. It's like just making sure to not overly identify with things so that you can know that you're more of a whole being instead of just one aspect. 
Yeah, I agree with that completely. I want to ask you about, I guess, sacred connections, sacred relationships, friendships, and how you have managed to have such a beautiful community, whether that's with Lindsay, the podcast, or your other friends and your family, how you have really developed those connections. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to answer this one because I feel like it wasn't always so easy. And I do feel like I'm someone that is deeply relationship focused. It's part of just the fabric of who I am. You know, I think a lot of people might be more focused on their creativity or might be more focused on their purpose or might be more focused on service or family. But I feel like relationships has been part of like the fabric of who I am. So it's been very important to me. Um, Growing up, you know, I didn't really have a great relationship with my family. I've always felt like a little estranged from them um, and always felt very different. I think for friends, um, I always felt really heartbroken by my friendships, to be honest. You know, a lot of the female relationships that I had growing up were really hard. A lot of the female relationships I had in high school were really hard. There was a lot of talking bad about each other. There was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of projection. There was just a lot of unconscious behavior within the female friendships that I was in. And a lot of that was because I was playing out the mother wound. You know, I'm someone that has had a hard time with my mom in this lifetime. And so I was really replaying a lot of our relationship on other people or other people were doing that on me. So it was actually very painful. And my relationships really started to turn around. I think when I got to college and when I actually had really great examples of amazing friends. I have a few friends that I'm still really good friends with that I was able to observe and witness how they were in the world and just was like very much educating myself. Like, okay, she's actually very honest all the time or she's always there when you need her or she's always doing the right thing or she's always putting her family first or she's always putting herself first or she's never talking bad about people. And by being in community with women that were very, very good people and that were always you know, on the right side of a situation, I was able to learn a lot. And then it really expedited when I met Lindsay. You know, When we had this like deep connection and bond, Lindsay's the, my podcast co-host for anyone that's listening and she's my best friend. I was able to practice a lot of techniques of a healthy relationship. And that means healthy conflict. And that means um, healthy communication. And that means being honest. And that means being truthful. And that means um, saying what I feel when I feel it. And that means saying what's hard or doing the, the hard thing, which is always being in my truth, even when it's not totally accepted. So we've been able to practice a lot of ways in which we want to be in relationships. So she's like my number one relationship practice. And then that has been a foundation for the rest of my relationships because I was able to build confidence. I was able to learn. I was able to build trust with myself, with others. And then I could be like, this is the type of being, or this is the type of way that I want to be with my friends where I want them to always know that I love them. Even if we don't talk all the time, I want them to always know that I will never talk bad about them behind their back. I want them to always know that I'm here. I want them to always know that I have their best interests and I want them to always know that I'm going to do right by them and I'm going to do right by myself first. So how could I build that foundation on my other friendships? And that's something that I've been doing over the past couple of years. And it's been incredible. And it's also been painful. You know, there's not all people in the world in life that want the same things as you or can 
hold people in the way you are. Some people want um, to talk to their friends every second of every day. Some people want to, um, you know, share the deepest, darkest stories all the time. Some people want different things. So for me, I've been really figuring out which friendships are really valuable and important for me for that. And that also happens, you know, in my relationship with my husband is really being willing to go there and um, make our relationship as deep and as fulfilling as possible. Because I think what happens for a lot of people when you've been dating for a long time is you kind of stop putting in the effort. You know, you're kind of like, oh, this is, it is what it is. But I think it means you actually need to put in more effort over time than you actually do. So all that to say, it takes a lot of healing, mother wound work, um, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of frame setting of what you want in relationships, and then really going first and being the one that's going to lead and being the the one that's going to show people um, how good it can be. I do think that definitely, I feel like women tend to struggle more with female relationships. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's so many reasons for that. I mean, the world we live in, constantly putting women against women. And I do think that it's kind of sad because there's such beauty in having woman to woman, female to female relationships and having that sacred sisterhood. And, and I feel like you're, it's like a, you're missing a lot when you don't have that, especially if you do have mother wounds and that healing that can come through with just being with other women, it's just really powerful and strong. And yeah, I, I think a lot about like, even like with like, the way we sink in together energetically and with the moon and having those relationships, I feel like just fulfill you in ways that it, I guess other things may not fulfill you. in. if that makes sense, I got think of it. No, it does completely. You know, I, I think I've said this on podcasts we've done about female friendships, but the way that I've been seen by women has been some of the biggest healing of my life. You know, I have friends and relationships and I'm hopeful that everyone listening has had this experience where you are complimented, complimented in a truthful way by a woman and it can change your life. You know, women just really can see each other's gifts, each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses. I mean, the way that we see people means both sides of the spectrum, you know, how cruel and catty women are, is equally as big as how beautiful and loving and supportive everyone, everyone are, everyone is. But with the mother wound, because all of us have a mother in our life and when we're a baby and when we're in the womb, um, our mother is literally life. So any type of wounding or issues around that, if you have a mom that's not super consistent, if you have a mom that's abusive or critical or judgmental, you will be essentially applying that sort of same principle because you have the the female relationship with her to your female friendships, um, in life. So it's really important to be mindful of the ways in which that you're interacting with women. But my motto is really just, it's like the cliche corny thing, treat people how you want to be treated. Don't talk bad about them, support them, you know, always be there for them, always be honest. Um, and really make sure that you are filling your own cup up first and you're really loving yourself enough that whatever is reflected back at you will also be really loved. But female friendships are hard. I've had really hard times with them. I've been heartbroken by women in really, really deep ways. So it's not like I'm totally outside of it. I can completely relate and understand to, to them being challenging. 
I feel like I'm going to be jumping all over the place. Um, right. But I want to ask, um, I guess, how, how have you um, been able to really show up in full expression through the hard times and through just through the chaos, I guess, of life? It's a great question. And I think, you know, I think from the outside, people might think that I have been, you know, they'd be like, oh, she's, you know, in public, she's speaking, she's on a podcast. She's all these things. She's in her full expression. And I think I'm in the expression that's appropriate for me at this time. And, you know, I don't think any expression that we show up with is right or wrong, but I do feel like there's other layers of my expression and how big I can be and how deep I can go. And I feel like there have been times and moments where I've been more expressed than others. So I think for people, it's a moment to moment thing. You know, I actually don't think it's always appropriate for everyone to be super expressed and super themselves and all of that. Like, yes, that's, I guess, a goal in life. But if you're somewhere where you know that it's not going to be accepted or seen, or there's not really a point, you know, it's not really maybe worth it. So I'm all about people having enough energetic sovereignty and understanding of when they can be fully expressed and when it may seem like, you know, now's not the time I'm going to just sort of be in this energy of, you know, seeing what's going on and um, managing my energy and holding my energy as best that I can. But I do think it's important that people have their basic practices like meditation, um, nature, prayer, uh, journaling, whatever it is that really grounds them and centers them. Because if you're grounded and centered, then you'll be able to really discern what's yours, what's not. When is it safe for you to be fully expressed? When does it make sense for you to be fully expressed? When might it make sense for you to kind of chill out for a little bit? What feels good? What feels right? What feels natural um, in your life? But it's a journey that I'm always on. You know, I do feel like there's, there's a fear that I still have of really putting myself out there that I think um, hopefully at one point in time in my life, I'm like, yes, I'm just letting it all hang out. But I think it's hard for anyone to feel fully expressed in this world. Yeah. I think it's also part of it is protecting your own energy, yeah. knowing when to show up as your full self and knowing when it's just, it's not the time. And if you do, it's just going to deplete you more. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it could be like, I'm being my full self, but you could be performing and looking for validation. So it's like such a, such a fine line. Like as an example, you know, with my family from home who I, you know, love, even though I, we don't feel like we're always super close. It's not like it's, it makes sense for me to show up and be kind and be loving and be present and be a version of me, but it doesn't always make sense for me to be fully expressed and fully out there and fully saying all the things and fully doing all the things because it honestly might like break their, like fry their circuits. And it's just not necessarily that safe. You know, it doesn't really make sense if that's not the relationship that we have where they've proven that they can handle or hold all of, all of who I am. Um, and not taking that super personally. It's like, Oh, it is what it is. You know, I have other people in my life that I can be fully myself with that I'm so grateful for. And I really lean on those relationships and I really trust those relationships. And I really allow those to fill me up. But I know that there's spaces and places that might not be make the most sense for me to go full all in on like being me. I was actually talking to someone a couple of days ago and she was telling me how she was showing up to an event and she was frustrated that she didn't show up as herself. Like she was putting on some type of an act. And I said that I don't think that it's necessarily an act. I think that 
you're just doing what you need to do in that moment to just survive in that scenario and to just feel like more energetically aligned with these other people that you might that you otherwise wouldn't feel energetically aligned with which to me it's yeah I think that's important to like also keep in mind is it's not always an act it's just yeah and I think also too it could be self-sabotage that's happening where you know you're getting in situations like at an event with people in public and you leave and you're like oh I wasn't myself like I couldn't be myself or it could be like a self-sabotaging happening where you're you know, sort of preventing yourself from being successful, but also too, it's like, you know, I would, I could see myself in that situation leaving and not feeling like I was successful and being like, Oh, I wasn't myself, but it's like, that is an aspect and version of you that existed that showed up. What was happening there? You know, was it, you felt intimidated? Was it, you didn't do your foundational practices or you didn't prepare or, you know, you were nervous. Like there's, a lot of different versions of us that can really show up, but they're all still a part of who we are. Well, I want to ask, how do you protect your own energy? So there's like a school of thought that I'm sort of reading about and studying that kind of talks a lot about um, protection of energy being not really like a way to experience and live life because it's like, essentially, if you're using energy, you're expending energy to protect yourself, then you could potentially be draining your energy all the time because you're using energy to put up walls, to put up barriers, to put up psychic protections to protect yourself. So I don't protect myself all the time. I think I have spaces and places like nature, um, like the ocean, like the beach, like on hikes and walks where I don't have to protect myself, where I can feel like I'm energetically safe, where I can feel like um, I can sort of let my aura be as big as it wants. You know, I think that's a really fun practice for people to do if they can, when they're in a space like a outside or somewhere in the world, they can allow their aura to expand as big as they want and let it be and let it be free because in tight spaces, it can kind of get a little stuck. Um, but as far as protection of energy, I think what I do most when I am sort of feeling like I need to protect myself or feeling like I'm in a psychically dense space or a psychically unsafe space or feeling like I'm in um, someplace that feels funky. You know, I was just in Italy this past weekend and I was walking through some churches in Milan and churches for me, Catholic churches, especially in Europe, don't always feel very like the best energy. Um, they always feels like a little funky for me. So um I will call on my angels and guides to, you know, uh, surround me in golden creator light or to protect me or to be with me. And I will always say like, I do not consent to taking on any energy that is not my own unique essence. <clears throat> I do not consent to, um, you know, allowing any energies that are not my own unique essence into my space. And I'll just be very clear, like, Hey, this isn't what I'm doing. I'm not going to take anything on. I'm not going to entertain any negative energy. I don't want any negative energy around me. I'm not going to subconsciously take anything on. Nothing will attach or stick to me. And by calling in my guides, the golden creator light <clears throat> and being really clear about that, I usually feel really good. And then before bed, if I'm in a funky place, like, you know, when you travel in hotels and stuff, it can get kind of funky. I'll put usually like Reiki symbols. Um, I'm a Reiki uh, master teacher level 
And so I'll put Reiki symbols in the corner of the room, which feels really, really nice for me. And then I'll call on my angels to watch over me and protect me. But I think as I've gotten more spiritually confident now, I don't feel fear. Whereas before I used to feel so scared of any energies or entities or beings or um, funkiness that would be around. So I felt like I was more a victim than like I was empowered where now I feel empowered. And I think the same can kind of apply if you're thinking about a toxic person. So if you're feeling like you need to be protected from a toxic person or from a toxic energy, you could sort of call on your protective angels or guides. You could ask for, you could just declare from a sovereign perspective that you're not going to take on anyone else's energy, that you're going to stay on your own sovereignty. And I think that usually really, really works. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's, I'm really happy that you said that because I feel like I, I've reached a point where I'm like, I just don't care. I'm like, there can be a negative energy around me, but I'm just like, you're not going to touch me. Just yes. bye. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I, but I, I struggled to like figure out how to even reach that place because I'm like, for me, it just came out of exhaustion, honestly, just mm-hmm. being like, I'm just not going to deal with this. <laughs> so yeah trying to, I guess, explain that to others is a little tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Are you, do you feel like it's like, um, when you mean exhausted, do you feel like you're just, you've had a lot of that in your life and you're like, I'm just over it. Yeah. 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 Is it people or energies? I think it's definitely both, um, weird spirits, but then also people. Um, so I just, I'm just like, no, not, not today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It can be yeah. that simple. And sometimes when I'm in weird places, I'll just say out loud, you know, um, like as an example, I was at our friend's house who lives in Dallas and she lives in a church. Like she got this old church. It's crazy. And there are spirits there. Like the fl- lights flicker all the time. There's a morgue in the basement that, you know, there used to be a morgue. And before Lindsay and I went to bed, I was just like to the spirits there. I'm like, there was definitely spirits. Their lights were flickering all night. We just knew it. And I was like, Hey, just letting you know, we're only here for a night. We would love to sleep really soundly. We're so grateful to be here. We really appreciate you allowing us to sleep through the night. And, you know, just by the acknowledgement of that, we were able to sleep fucking amazing, like so good. And I'm so sensitive to that. So for me to be able to sleep through the night in that situation was like, incredible so oftentimes it can be like the high like high spirit i see you bye i'm like also not engaging so i think sometimes i'll do that too where i just acknowledge whatever's going on if there's an entity in the room or an energy it's like hi bye you're just like hi totally see you bye like not engaging don't need to do anything i have no responsibility um to you at all but really just i think the biggest thing is staying in your power the whole time and knowing that you have dominion over your experience on on earth. I think, yeah, most of the time I feel like they just want to be acknowledged as well. So just like saying like, yeah, I know you're here, but I'm carrying on. I'll do my thing. You can yes. do your thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm curious to know this. this is something that I personally have been feeling. And I, I know people have also been feeling this way since maybe end of 2019 up till now that there has just been a major shift in terms of energy. And it feels I, the way I can explain it or the way I experience it is more like there's like a waiting game. Like there's something that is I'm waiting to happen. 
And through that, it's like almost like a struggle to understand why am I still continuing on in life when I'm still waiting for this thing to happen and then just going with the flow of life in this weird way, still having that feeling that something is coming, but I just don't know what it is. And I'm curious to know what your experience if at all with that. Yeah, I think we can think about, you know, from a macro level, from a global level, we can think about like the waiting game for sure. And I think a lot of that is now sort of the media controlling a lot of our nervous systems and our life and our perception of the world where in 2020, you know, the pandemic happened and there was so much going on in the world outside of that as well, where it felt like we were waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And I think that's really part of the news cycle. It's part of the media to continuously be like, what's next? Oh, now monkeypox, now this shooting, now these things that happen. And it really feels like it never ends. So I think that there's a way in which we're being trained to always expect the next thing to happen and to feel like we're paralyzed because we can't really do anything because of it. You know, as an example, the market, people talking about the market, it's kind of like, I feel paralyzed. Like I can't save money. I can't invest money because this is about to happen. And so being mindful about the ways in which where we're sort of putting our life on pause because we feel like something is going to happen in the collective or we feel like there's going to be an earthquake or um, tons of these things that have been predicted many and many times. So I think there's that. And I'll, you know, be honest, I can be victim to that sometimes too. Like, especially with the investing thing with money where I'm like, Oh, I can't do anything because something might happen. It's like, you know, things could shift in an instant. Things could shift in a dime and how can I control or how can I be a participant in my life in the present moment, rather than like being a part of the predictive programming for the, the foreseeable future. But then there is something too about you maybe having a premonition about your life and knowing that from like a soul level that something's coming for you and that right now you're kind of waiting and preparing. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that where they can be like, you know, my life is good and I have things going on, but I'm actually like, I feel like something's going to happen. I feel like something's going to come. I feel like I'm going to meet someone. I feel like I'm going to have a chance opportunity. I feel like all these things are going to happen. And I felt like that a little bit recently where I'm like, oh, I, I know that right now feels a little stagnant, but I know that something huge is coming for me. I know that something super aligned is coming for me. And even if that isn't, even if neither of the situations happen, like from the global level, the, neg- the negative doesn't happen or from the, your life level, the positive doesn't happen. I think setting your intention at the right point and aiming at something in your life is very important. So whether the world is ending or whether you think something's going to happen or come along the way, I think having something that you're aiming at on a daily basis is really important. So you can focus on whatever it is that you're aiming for, whether it's um, a specific degree or a specific um, education or a specific relationship or a specific uh, mental state where you feel super satisfied so that you can have something to aim towards every single day. Because from a brain perspective, we actually preference, our preference is actually to be on purpose or on path over being happy because we know that happiness is fleeting. So I think for humans, it's been proven that people are usually more satisfied with their life if they have goals. So what kind of goals can you have? Even if you're waiting for all of these things to happen, whether good or bad, what kind of goals can you have that will still motivate you to show up every day, 
to make your life feel that has purpose and make your life feel like it still has meaning. I agree with that 100%. That type of energy, this type of whatever this experience is, can make some people feel very stagnant and make people just want to stop and play the waiting game. I, something, well, in Islamic religion is like, even on day of judgment, what God says is like, continue doing the work. Like, don't let the big things like stop you or hold you back. If you're gardening, continue to garden, whatever the thing is that you're doing, continue doing that. And I, I guess that's just how I live by like, even when things are not in a, not in a necessarily in a toxic way, where obviously there are moments where I do need to take a pause and I do need to breathe, but through the rough parts and through the weird stages of life, I just keep going because I'm like, I, whatever, whatever this is, whatever is happening, I just want to know that I have lived my life doing what I can with my time and living in a more fulfilled and happy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's like the tiny, small decisions and the tiny, small steps are what make the biggest difference in our life. And I think it seems overwhelming when we have goals or we have big visions, but it really takes action every single day to make a huge difference in our life. And if we're able to make that action and take those steps, even if we feel like we're waiting for something big to happen, I think we're on our path to building and living in a life that we really love. Yeah. And the more love, the more we can unite, because I do think that we're all truly just one Mm-hmm. towards one thing and <laughs> it's always important a hundred percent yeah I feel like I think the media also tells us how divided we are all the time and I think you know that there's truth in that you can really feel it and see it but then I also experience in my day-to-day life that I think we're ma- way more unified than we think you know if we think about just like random things like we're all unified in the agreement that we're going to drive on this side of the road. We're going to stop at stop signs. We're going to stop at stop lights. We're going to pay for our coffees. We're going to go to groceries. We're going to do all these things. Like there's so much more unification, even in small ways of the way that we live that we really overlook because I think we're fed that um, we're separated so much. Yeah. It's so like, I will always think about how crazy it is that, oh, we're still, we're all like blindly trusting each other to all stop at the stop sign to go like, it's, that is so beautiful. But I feel like that's something that needs to be shared more, like talked about more like, oh, look what we're all doing together. Look how we wait in line at a cashier. Look how we do these things. And the more focus obviously on the positive, the more that builds. So 100%. Yeah. It is. It's always, how can we continue to look at what's working and how can we focus so much on the good that, you know, we kind of render the other obsolete? Yeah. I want to ask, how do you, this is the question I ask everyone is how do you ease the chaos in your attic? I think the first thing that I do is pull the chaos outside of me. So if I feel like I'm feeling anxious or chaotic or crazy, it's like, remembering that that's just an experience that I'm having and I'll almost like picture an energy of chaos or anxiety or franticness and I'll kind of pull it off of me and like pull it outside of me and just observe it and be like, oh, what is that? What is that feeling? Where is it coming from? Is it someone else? Is it me? Is it something I ate? Is it the coffee? What is that feeling in my life? So by unblending it from who I am, I think that's the first thing that I do. My meditation practice is the second. That's every single day, meditating and coming back 
to my center, coming back to myself. And then I think the third one, which is kind of underrated, I think is really checking in on your diet and your supplements and sort of if you're having too much coffee or caffeine or stimulants or, um, you know, things that are just frying your nervous system and really thinking about ways in which you can, you know, get in healthy fats, have magnesium, have minerals, have mineralized water for supporting your nervous system and supporting the ways in which you can feel less chaotic from like a physio physiological level. The other part to this question is how would you encourage the listeners to get out of their chaos and to, I guess, in a sense, separate from their chaos in the way that you blamed. Mm -hmm. Separating from the chaos. Yeah. I think the meditation is most important because you're able to have mind sight. Like you're able to look at your own mind from an observer's perspective. So it may seem like I'm Krista. I am this person. I do this thing. I feel this way. I am this way. And it's, if we've lived enough life, we can know that our opinions change, our feelings change, our identities change, so much changes. So like, how can we pull up out of that and remember that we are the capital S self and be an observer of ourselves. And then by doing that, we're able to identify emotions or feelings or experiences and remember that we're so much bigger and more beautiful and more multidimensional than just those tiny things that happen to us in life. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Well, I want to ask, I want to, do you have time for a rapid fire round? Of course. Mm -hmm. And do you have any, I guess before that, do you have any messages that you feel like you want to share? I have been, I've spent like, I think a month off of Instagram. I have someone that's posting my content that I'm creating, but she's posting it for me. And I just want to encourage people if they are feeling called to take time off of social media to do it. It's how I make my money, but I really have found that I'm so much more productive and calm and centered and peaceful when I'm not posting regularly on social media, when I'm not on social media, checking things. So just kind of giving people the nudge if they're feeling like they're called to spend time off social media to do it. And if you want to have more clarity, feel more connected to yourself feel more at peace, feel more clear, feel more connected to your intuition. I think it's like the best way. Yeah, I agree with that. And also I think always like setting like a a timer, a time limitation on your phone for social media apps is also really important. And also just helps you like get in touch with how you're spending your own time because people will be shocked by how much time they've been spending scrolling and just clicking after the other. It's wild. Yeah. It's, and that's a good thing to do, to do too, is look at your screen time to just be honest with yourself about how much time you're spending online. Yeah. Okay. So um, rapid fire round. Um, what's your sun, moon and rising sign? My sun sign is Pisces. My moon is Sagittarius and my rising is Virgo. Oh, interesting. I also, my moon and rising are same Virgo and Sagittarius. Oh, what's your sun? Sagittarius. <laughs> Ooh, got a double Sag. That's amazing. I love my Sag. Um, do you have a book recommendation? Yeah, the book that I I'm trying to think of a book. A book that I really love um, is called Meet Your Soul by Alyssa Romeo. It's very good for people that are into spirituality. 
um, because it helps support you in really meeting your soul, really meeting who you are, your higher self. And I think it applies to all parts of your life. So I think meet your soul is like one of my favorites. Uh, A saying to live by. Wherever you go, there you are. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Favorite. Because it's like, you could change your environment, your relationships, your friendships, your jobs, but if you're not mentally well, or if you don't, um, if you don't check in on how you're feeling emotionally or mentally, you're not going to be happy. And I've felt that in my life. Like I've been to the most beautiful places in the world. And if I don't feel right mentally, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, one thing that is currently lighting you up. I think my cats, <laughs> I, we adopted two kitties in the pandemic. And I think just having little beings around that you can just love on unconditionally and that love you unconditionally. It's like, there's no better feeling in the world than just having an animal, having the love of an animal. And it just truly lights me up to be able to spend time with them and to feel like there is something that actually gives you unconditional love. You know, I think when I talked about unconditional love before, I think animals are such a beautiful example of unconditional love. I 100% agree with that. I mean, I only adopted my cat like around May or June, like it was very recent. And I have, I I adopted him with like the intention of, I want to learn from you. And what I've learned is that unconditional love where I'm like so surprised by it. And I, it's just really beautiful the way animals teach us that. They have so, I mean, presence, unconditional love, curiosity, play, like um, honesty. It like, it's just, it's so, you know, something happens, I think to your heart, like a chamber of your heart gets unlocked when you have an animal and it changes your life. You know, it's hard to even, it's, it's hard to even think about not loving animals once you start. And I can't even imagine when you have kids, like after having an animal, I'm like, Oh my God. And now I'm going to love my kid even more. Like what the heck? Yeah. Um, mountain or sea? I think right now I'm about the sea. I was going to say mountain, but I think I'm, I think I have to say I'm about the, The I'm about the sea. Yeah. I mean, LA, you're, I I guess LA is like, you get best of both worlds. Yes. I'm that Pisces. So it's like that water, that water baby that I'm just, I'm just all about. There's something cleansing. There's something really renewing. There's something refreshing. There's something that's just so powerful about the water for me. Um, even though I do love, I do love the mountains. Yeah. I feel like water just like even having a shower just feels like you're being reborn. Yes. A hundred percent. It's like as spiritual as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, a language you wish you spoke. French. I wish (laughs) I spoke French so bad. I feel like I tried, but it's my dream. I think about this probably like once a week. I'm like, I wish I could speak every language. I think that just would be the coolest thing to be able to go anywhere in the world and communicate with people in like in their native tongue. Oh, that would be my dream. I know. I, I get really jealous of people that wake up after having a dream that they spoke a different language and then that just sticks with them and they suddenly know how to speak a language. Like I always, what? 
diplomas. I didn't even know that was like a possible thing. Yeah, I'm like, well, now you get a new language. I think it just has probably to do with like past life experiences. I guess that's how I interpret it at least. hundred percent. I'm going to look that up because that, yeah, it's almost like you got the download overnight. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> um, what's your favorite element? Oh my gosh, my favorite element 100% would be water. I think water is just, again, it's just my favorite thing. I think most of my dreams are water, but I'd say close second would be earth. Yeah. I feel like every, anyone would say like something in earth. I don't know. I just feel like earth is always tied into. Yeah. I mean the grounding, like the fact that we're on earth because it's like fire's like kind of scary. You're like fire's amazing, but fire's like a little scary. And then air, you're kind of like, hmm. Okay. Windy, windy days. What else? Yeah. <laughs> um, a current favorite food. Current favorite food. There's this company called Rootless. It's R-O-O-T-L-E-S, Rootless. And they do these amazing little like seaweed date bites. And it's kind of like a multivitamin, but I have like literally 20 at a time, but they're so bomb and seaweed's so good for you. It has um, a bunch of different properties that are super supportive of your metabolism and your thyroid and your adrenal gland that a lot of people don't get a lot of times. So it's great to have seaweed in your diet. And then I love a little, that little date component. It's so good. So these little bites from Rootless are like my favorite right now. A little salty, a little sweet. <laughs> yes. All about it. Um, do you have a spirit animal? Yes. A jaguar is my spirit animal. That's like the one that I connect with the most and see the most, but I think, you know, you'll have a few, or I perceive that you'll have a few that sort of come in and out and kind of give you messages as they go. Like I was in, um, when I was in Italy last week, I kept seeing this baby fox and baby foxes are, you know, just so clever and present and playful and like resourceful and all these things. So whatever animal really is present for me at a time, I'll take as much medicine from them as I can. But I think jaguar is really the one that's been with me for most of my life. And they're super... Yeah, they're they're very spiritual and, and very and regal and like gorgeous and just mystical and and it's a cat. It's like a big cat, you know. It's like my dream. Um, what's your love language? My love language. It's interesting because it used to be. Um, I guess it still is words of service. It's hard because I do feel like all of them are just so good and and are needed in an intertwined way. But I would say words of affirmation the most because it's like words of affirmation is more than just like, you're amazing or beautiful or I love you. It's like, I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings or like, how are you doing? Like there's such an aspect of communication within connection and within a relationship that I think words of affirmation really includes so I think I'd say words of affirmation. Um, a habit you swear by? A habit I swear by is, I'd say magnesium, taking magnesium. So magnesium is such an important um, part of, you know, or such an important nutrient in the body and it helps relax your muscles. It helps your nervous system. It helps you go to the bathroom and sometimes we don't get enough of it. So I think taking magnesium has been huge for my brain function, for my anxiety and for my digestion. I like, that. I mean, honestly, 
I, I would swear by magnesium as well, except for the fact that I don't know what's happening with me recently. Anytime I take it, I just get so dizzy and I can't figure out what's really? it's so weird because I know how good it is for, for you. I, from, I searched it online. It said like it could be part of your body really detoxifying, like it's helping support that in some sense. I just have no idea if wow. I'm going in off of it, but I'm like That's fascinating. Yeah, because I've never heard of anyone experiencing that from magnesium. So I don't know what it is, but I know that is good for everyone. So that's fascinating. Yeah, it's, but it's one of those things like, you know, just listening to your body. Like, if it doesn't work for you, you've got to listen and be like, okay, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Don't know what's going on, but we'll be back later. Yeah. Two more questions. Um, what is making you love yourself the most today? Um, I think for me, I, had an opportunity to have a hard conversation around how I was feeling about something. And I think I love myself when I go first, when I'm feeling something intuitively or psychically or energetically or emotionally, and I'm able to actually have confidence enough to say it and call it um, because that means I'm prioritizing my own peace and I'm prioritizing my intuition and I'm prioritizing um, the relationship itself, because oftentimes we can be in relationship with people, whether it's romantic or friends or at work and something can feel off and we don't feel like we have the confidence or the trust or the love for that person enough to say anything. So I always really am so proud of myself when I have hard conversations and when I say how I feel and when I'm kind about it and when I'm able to listen and when I'm able to really just like say the truth. I love that. Um, one thing you'd add to the world and one thing you'd take away. One thing I'd add to the world, one thing I'd add would be a recycling program, a global recycling program. <laughs> I feel like we need a global recycling program for everything. We should be able to reuse everything that we have. We should be able to somehow I don't know. We just should have a better method for dealing with all the trash and plastic and waste and compost that we have in the world, especially all the microplastics. So that's something that I always wonder. I'm like, why don't we have a solution for this that exists? That's very good because we have so much technology, but I don't know why we're not working on something like that more deeply. And then one thing I would remove would be <laughs> maybe social media. I don't know. You know, I love social media. It's so beautiful and inspiring and I make my living from it, but I don't know. I'm still not quite sold if it's, if it's a benefit to us and if it's helpful. So, um, I think there could be a really beautiful experience where we were able to like get off of social media and our phones and kind of get back to nature. I agree with that. Yeah. It's hard because sometimes I'm like, Oh, I love that it brought us in a sense, like closer to people. It, it connects us to the world and all of that but I'm like well we weren't we doing that before without it and in a way and more intimately as well yeah yeah and just seeing what happens with kids and sort of like the addiction with it and mental health with it you know so I might yeah I might take that away yeah well thank you so much I really appreciated it. Um, where can everyone, I mean, I'm sure everyone will already know where they can find you and listen and tune into the podcast. 
Yeah, this has been so much fun. I was just going to say, um, I loved, like, I feel like you really got super in the pocket and your questions were just super thoughtful and super truthful. And it felt like things that you really wanted to talk about and discuss and explore. So I really appreciate that. Like nothing felt super canned, nothing felt old, nothing felt like things I had talked about so many times. So I just want to say thank you for giving me such a great conversation today. I really appreciate it. Um, and I've been looking forward to this. So thank you so much, Noor. And hopefully I see you in LA. I would love that. Um, and yeah, Almost 30 podcast on TikTok, on Instagram, anywhere you listen to podcasts, spirituality and wellness with my best friend, Lindsay and I. And I think there's usually an episode for anybody, whether it's relationships or again, like spirituality and wellness and then almost30.com. And then you can find me on Instagram. It's at it's Krista. It's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I would absolutely love it if you could rate this podcast, leave a review, subscribe and follow it because it would mean the world to me and help support this podcast in more ways than you can know and also help me get more exciting and enlightening guests on. So thank you to your precious ears for listening and bye!